Welcome to episode 246 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. So today uh, it's Chris and I'm just doing a solo episode on Robert Burnham Jr. and his Burnham's Celestial Handbook. So uh, I guess this is a little bit of, uh, of a new mini-series within our Summer Shorts mini-series. Uh, we've always wanted to talk more about more prominent uh, amateur astronomers uh, for a little while. In fact, our friend Mike had made uh, a suggestion to to do such a thing uh, around Christmas time. So I was kind of struggling to find a way to fit them in, and uh, this summer short uh, series is is a really perfect format. So, uh, what is Burnham's Celestial Handbook? Well, it's a three volume set, and it encompasses the Northern Hemispheric constellations. So everything um, from the the polar region up by uh, Ursa Minor and Ursa Major, Draco. Uh, all the way down to the southern horizon into uh, constellations like Sagittarius, Scorpius, um, and those constellations. And uh, the best way to think about it is it's it's uh, comprehensive. So it's sort of a leave no stone unturned approach uh, to astronomy. And it started by Robert Burnham Jr., uh, when he began his astronomy adventures around the middle of the 20th century. And what he did is as he was observing the night sky, which was pretty much what this individual did, that's what he dedicated his uh, entire uh, life to. Um, he would take notes and then he would kind of uh, delve into some of the other uh, interesting aspects of astronomy as it, as it related to other topics that he had been interested in uh, as a young man. So he had a he had a wide variety of eclectic interests, but once he reached high school, um, he really decided to focus on astronomy, um, but only completed a high school education. And uh, anyway, we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of that in a moment. But if you want to read, the, the best um, bit that I've read on Burnham is by Tony Ortega. And uh, this is an article and you can find it by looking for Tony Ortega, O-R-T-E-G-A, uh, .org. And uh, the article is called Skywriter, the Cosmic Life of Celestial Handbook Author Robert Burnham Jr. And um, although it's an article, it's it's very uh, itself very comprehensive. So it's almost like a, like a mini book. Um, you know, if you're going to sit down and read it, uh, at least for me anyway, I'm not a very fast reader. It's it's going to take, uh, you know, more than, you know, more than an hour uh, for me to read anyway. And uh, but it's uh, it's an excellent uh, article and uh, kind of goes into a lot of the uh, history background and the uh, unfortunate ending of Robert Burnham Jr.'s life. So Robert Burnham Jr. is a well-renowned amateur astronomer known for his Burnham Celestial Handbook. And un unfortunately, he's not to be confused with a person of the exact same name um, who has been an editor for Astronomy Magazine. And this is a real unfortunate coincidence since most of us amateur astronomers had assumed uh, always that this uh, this was the same person, uh, but it wasn't. So this uh, Robert Burnham Jr. was hired by Lowell Observatory in 1958 to, stellar, uh, to study stellar proper motion for about three years. Um, but the program kind of evolved and continued to get some funding. And he ended up being there uh, for over 20 years. And, uh, and the program eventually ended in 1979. And during that period, he and his colleagues would identify over 9,000 high motion stars, as well as several comets, 1,500 asteroids, and 2,000 new white dwarf suspects, uh, sorry, white dwarf suspects. And uh, these are uh, 
degenerated uh, stars with uh, incredibly high densities. Um, he also found uh, thousands of variable stars, um, which they simply uh, just just didn't have the time to go into. Uh, just just an amazing um, set of discoveries. Additional discoveries include things like three three nine seven Layla. Layla, which is a Mars-crossing asteroid. So Burnham was born in Chicago in 1931, and the family moved to Arizona when he was nine. He was an introvert and spent much of his time observing the night sky with self-built telescopes. And these eventually led to uh, larger and larger telescopes. And eventually, in 1957, he discovered a comet, and the publicity around this uh, eventually led to a job at Lowell Observatory. And while Lowell, he spent all of his free time using any resources available to him, of course, with the permission of the observatory, um, to really fill out his uh, his set of observing notes um, into a three-volume set uh, of an observer's guide for everything that's beyond the solar system. So originally he self-published um, the work, but eventually Dover Publishing picked it up and they put out some hard and soft copy editions. I, I originally owned the soft copy edition. That's what was available when uh, when I was getting into astronomy. And I kind of wore mine out and it got some water damage. And I can't remember whether I, I just couldn't read it anymore. It was so musty. And uh, uh, several years ago, I was living in Ontario and came across a brand new hard copy edition that I think a professor, somebody was getting rid of a lot of books that was uh, taking up space on their shelf or something. And as far as I could tell, it was never even opened before and uh, was basically brand new. And I bought those uh, off the shelf. So Really, really excellent. I highly recommend hardcover editions. I know that Shane actually uses the, um, I think it's like a PDF or a digital version of some sort, and uh, he'll take it with his uh, e-reader. And and when we're at observing, sometimes he'll he'll have it there to read as as we for it to get dark and stuff like that. It's pretty pretty cool that you can get it in all these different formats. And I kind of think the it, Burnham Celestial Handbook, although it's perhaps not as widely known as as uh, for example the Charles Messier list or the Messier list of 110 objects or 109 objects that most people observe. The, uh, the Burnham Celestial Handbook is, is the only other thing I can think of that's in that league. Um, it's, it's on the other spectrum though. It's a 2,138 page compendium of basically anything and everything uh, that you can see beyond the solar system from uh, double stars to uh, nebulas and clusters and and different things. It includes uh, just pretty much the whole bit. It's kind of like an Audubon, if you're familiar with like the Audubon bird series. It's kind of like that, but for astronomy, and uh, and it's been compiled by this one individual based on his notes, and then just sort of filling in the material with uh, with what he was able to gather from uh, from the Lowell Observatory when he was working there. So wh- why is it so good? Well, in my opinion, it's so good because it makes astronomy approachable. Um, a lot of observing texts can, uh, you know, they can be a bit dry. You know, here's this object, here's the description, here's this that object, here here's the description, and that and that's fine. You know, a lot of great um, comprehensive texts are like that. However, he uh, will mix uh, astronomy with history and poetry, and it's just so uh, approachable. And, and combined with the fact that he really does go through the entire night sky in this very, very comprehensive um, manner. And thinking about the fact that he did this all in uh, just ink and pen uh, in, in a series of scrapbooks is just a phenomenal. He wasn't organizing on a computer or anything of that nature. Uh, he just sort of was, uh, you know, making notes and then 
and then typing them up and then working with uh, with his resources at, at the Lowell. So his job ended at Lowell in 1979, which was the year the handbook was published. And uh, his handbook sales and fame uh, were growing, um, but he was a person of extreme shyness and unfortunately uh, shunned uh, pretty much all publicity. And uh, he came under great financial stress and, uh, and Burnham, um, you know, really, uh, you know, was so shy and was unable to leverage this publicity into any uh, continuance of employment. He ended up basically um, just scraping by on what he was able to make with the uh, sales of, uh, of the handbook combined with selling uh, prints of, of, uh, or paintings of cats that he was doing in a park. Um, Burton's really interesting character in, in the history of astronomy because he really represents kind of like a, a bookend of sorts. Like Burnham um, was hired um, in the late 50s and worked until the late 70s. And, and really after that point in time, if you wanted to go and work at an observatory, you really needed to have some sort of specialized training or like if, if that was your goal and you were a young person um, living in the States or wherever, you probably should go and do at least an undergraduate degree in astronomy. And now you, you definitely need some sort of master's or something. Um, but he was simply a, a person who had a high school education, a real burning passion for astronomy. And with the discovery of a comet was able to go and, and work in an observatory, kind of like in a way, like a similar story to, to like Charles Messier, uh, you know, people like Clyde Tombaugh and, and uh, people like, uh, like E.E. E. Barnard. Um, all have that sort of similar history, uh, even if we think about Herschel and his discoveries, which which led to uh, uh, you know financing coming coming from the crown in in England uh, during his time. Um, but sort of after Burnham, we we don't see as many um, popularizers and uh, and and astronomers uh, being hired um, without any kind of formal education. Pretty much uh, since uh, you know my lifetime, anyway. Um, the majority of, of the astronomers that are out there are people that, that would have gone and, and done some sort of formalized education, even if it was their interest, they would have been sort of guided down um, that path. So anyway, after he left uh, Lowell Observatory, he became extremely reclusive and dropped off the map. And uh, he moved from Arizona in 1986 and spent the last years of his life selling cat uh, paintings that he had done in Balboa Park, California. And when he died in uh, 1993 at the age of 61, um, it was sort of his wishes that nobody would even know. So it was a number of years before anybody really even became aware um, that he had uh, passed away. It was uh, a young family member, uh, a sort of uh, great niece or nephew who uh, ended up getting an assignment at school to find a, a lost person or missing person or do some sort of investigative work and eventually uh, had... Uh, gotten access to a computer at school or something and tracked down through his social security number and, and discovered that uh, they'd actually passed away. Um, and then, of course, it, it came out in the, the uh, astronomical magazines and, and that sort of thing. So it, it's a little bit of a sad tale, but I really think a great tribute to uh, Robert Burnham Jr., uh, who, who was a dedicated amateur, you know, like many of us. And I think that people should really take the time to to read his work and maybe follow his astronomical footsteps just a little bit. So, you know, the, one of the great things about his, his text is you open it up and he talks about um, getting into a spaceship of the imagination. And when, when you read that, uh, you think about um, Carl Sagan's Cosmos. Uh, but I looked it up and Cosmos came out after uh, Burnham's Celestial Handbook did 
even the uh, the Carl Sagan edition. So this was um, perhaps a concept maybe that was just around at the time, or or perhaps uh, Burnham has uh, had sort of stumbled upon something. And and since Burnham's Celestial Handbook was so famous and widely known, um, perhaps at that time Sagan simply just uh, just ran with uh, with that idea. Um, and as well, when you open it up and start reading it, he talks about the fact that this text um, that he was writing and concluding in 1978 um, would immediately become out of date. And, and it's, it's just fascinating to read this book that's, um, you know, more than 40 years old now and to read through and, and, you know, the author at the time recognized the fact that this book um, perhaps would stand the test of time, which it has. And he's written it in such a way that many of the things um, that he touches on really haven't changed that much. I mean, they've changed, um, but he sort of draws attention to, to what might change. And certainly if one wants the latest and greatest information on these things, the, you know, it's, it's readily available now on the internet. So it's actually less impactful now than, than perhaps it would have been, um, you know, even, even 20 years ago. So one can, one can simply get his book and, and read his beautiful writing and uh and enjoy it for what it is and then if you really want to dig down and get into the uh the nitty-gritty of of some of the celestial objects uh you can do that and certainly he does fill it in with a lot of uh the astrophysical information but it's sort of the the observing experience um from somebody who is uh who you know who's a bit of a recluse um has sort of conjured up in in their own mind so it's just a really brilliant text and i think uh if anybody's looking for some good summer reading, uh, maybe check it out and, and maybe go on to Amazon or somewhere and uh, Google Burnham Celestial Handbook and download a digital copy or or maybe go to A-Books or something like that and, and see if you can order the uh, three-volume uh, hard, uh, hardback sex. I certainly think that's uh, worthwhile. Well, with that, I'll thank everybody for listening and be sure to subscribe. We're always excited to get your emails to actualastronomy at gmail.com as well. And uh, we hope everybody's having a nice and safe summer out there. And uh, we're certainly enjoying doing these short sessions. So with that, I'll, uh, I'll conclude and thank everybody again for listening. Thank you everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com. <laughs>